This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Anthony Roberts, host of the Reality Is podcast, about his perspective on race relations in America and why he has chosen specifically not to have kids. It's a really engaging discussion. I think you're really going to enjoy it. No Ask the Birth Guide this week, as Brian was actually here in Dallas doing a conference, so he'll return next week. But stick around. Anthony and I will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is the hostess. No, I'm just kidding. The host with the most. <laughs> I was like, hostess, like little Debbie Kate. Oh, we're talking. Am I one? <laughs> the host with the most, Anthony Roberts of the Reality Is Podcast. Anthony, what's going on, man? Man, hey, Joe. I'm glad to have you, man. I'm glad to be here. There's been a lot of people that listen to my appearance on TRI a minute ago and loved it. And there's some people that even like went over and are, I know long, long term subscribers now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, if you're long term, long term, long time, whatever, I'm like, <laughs> I can't speak today. So the audience is going to have to bear with me. Uh, listener, then you know that Frank Minicon has been on a couple of these episodes and he gets a little unleashed on uh, the reality is if yeah. you want to listen to more of Frank or his show, the quad podcast, part of RMG media. So, but what I wanted to have Anthony on today is, you know, in detox, the mantra of the show is it's a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so we're going to get a window into how you live your life and your decision to not have kids so far and your struggles kind of with what makes you hesitate in bringing kids into a Trump America, okay. so to speak. So first of all, let's let the audience get to know who you are, if they may not know. So who are, well, you, we know you're Anthony Roberts, but, and your host of Reality Is, but kind of what brought you to the Reality Is and RMG and then kind of where you are today? Okay. Well, um, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. And I am, first off, the owner of Roberts Media Group, host of the Reality Is, part owner of MZ Studios here in Dallas. MZ stands for Mike Zavala. Shout out to Mike. Um, and... I am a 36-year-old project specialist. Uh, it's more on the corporate side, but that's not even what people know me for. You know, right. Most people who know me here in Dallas, it's it's more so for Roberts Media Group. It's more so for the podcast. And with the podcast, it's something I, I created or it started when I worked, uh, not worked, but went to college at the University of Texas here in Arlington. And 
I just kind of got into it. I mean, talking is something I like to do. I love having great conversations. Me and you always have a conversation yep. and, and kind of, you know, pull from each other. But for me at UTA, it was just I, I was in broadcasting. I had a broadcasting class. I had a, got a degree in broadcasting marketing. So taking up broadcasting and just doing uh, radio for UTA radio for a little bit, I just kind of got the bug. And at first it started out as Music in Motion on Saturdays where I would just come in like a regular radio DJ, play some music, you know, play some commercials promote some things in between and then it just kind of took off from there and I started hearing about podcasts myself and listening and I think one of the first podcasts was uh, Charlemagne's Breakfast Club Mm -hmm. and then uh, Crystal and Kid Fury the Reed Mm -hmm. so when I heard that I was like man they have a lot to say it's it's personal stuff it's stuff that I can relate to and then I I love to talk And I was like, I always have shit to say. (laughs) So I was like, why not, you know, really try to go this way? So I, I, my then girlfriend, Artesia, who's now my business partner with Roberts Media Group, uh, she kind of helped me and kind of pushed me out there to to do it. Right. Um, We both started to pick up an interest. She picked up an interest more on the business side. I picked up an interest more on being in studio and behind the mic. And it's just gotten to this point over the last five, six years, just hard work consistently keeping at it putting content out you know traveling right spending your last dime and, and we're still here that's awesome i want to pivot a little bit and talk about honey you're growing up what was it like for you because uh, you're from texarkanic right? yes right so, texas side okay all right <laughs> those arkansas listeners listening. yes <laughs> no disrespect to arkansas but right. it's just a little different on the texas arkansas side Right. So what was it like for you growing up? I know you've got a couple of brothers, right? I have one brother. One brother. Okay. Why did I think couple? I don't know. I'm cool with a lot of people. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) So you've got one brother and you got your mom. And then what was it like? What was the father situation like in your life? Well, growing up, my dad was around actually when I was born. And uh, it's so funny because my mom sprung it on us a couple of, what, a couple of months ago. I think Artizi was there. We were talking about my dad and out of the blue, she was like, Basically, she said, I don't think your dad wanted kids. And we was like, huh? Like, you going to wait till we 30 plus to tell us that? Like, that's why he's not here then if he never wanted kids. But um, he was there when I when we first grew up. Um, my first time I remember him leaving, I was around like eight years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were separated. And then he was back around, I think I was maybe 12. Mm-hmm. And he was there for a little bit. And then I remember him being at my graduation. And then it's like really after after 14, he was really never there. Sure. And he wasn't there for spaces. So for me, I mean, he was kind of like I tell people, he was good at being inconsistent. Right. So it made it easy for me not to miss him. Sure. I think the the really the biggest situation I remember of being angry at my dad and blaming my mom for it was at 12. I remember going to my grandmother's house when she lived in these apartments and I walked in and my grandmother still had a family picture of us when we were all together. And I remember walking in and seeing that picture and I knew what was going on as far as my dad not being there. And my mom came in and I was like, I hate you. You know, I was like, I hate you. I hate you. I was like, I blame you for this because I just didn't, I couldn't understand the concept of him not being there. Right. And then being, and with him being in and out, which I'm glad my mom finally made the decision to cut the ties around, you know, when I was 14. But what happened to me with him going in and out it always set me up for disappointment and it was a lot of broken promises sure. because when you come in, you could be here in January and say, Hey, we're going to do this. Right. And then if you're gone by March or April, then we don't get to do those things. Right. And then you come back again years later. So I just, he was always being good at being inconsistent. Yeah. And it's really hard. I know that, you know, there is a narrative around 
black fathers mm-hmm. about not being around and mm-hmm. not being involved. And, and I know several friends of mine who are working to reverse that stereotype yeah. by being very involved fathers and, and by helping to change the narrative, the narrative, not even just for black fathers, but a lot of dads of color yeah. across America. Yeah. Um, but I know it's hard and, and there are a lot of systemic issues that contribute to that. Correct. And one of the things I think we're finding out as a society is that it's not honestly, you know, not no pun intended. It's not a black and white issue. Yeah. There are so many layers to the fact why dads are not involved because there are a lot of white dads that are also not involved, yeah. but you don't hear about it as much. And yeah. I think it's because there's a lot more of, I don't really want to frame this. There's a lot less of societal reasons that go into their decision to not be involved. Yeah. I also think it's because white people for a long time, white people controlled the narrative. Yes. And yes. now, yes. through podcasting and right. through media, black people can now control our narratives, right. which is why you see so many people, you know, promote black dads and say, you know, like black men don't cheat, black men don't do this, because there's a plethora of black men that are amazing right. and more amazing than they are not. Yep. And even in the black community, we'll do this. Like, we'll have black women sometime where they'll say things like, I don't want to, you know, basically, I don't want a deadbeat type guy. Right. But it's, it, but they're picking these guys, and it becomes consistently deadbeats in their lives to where they're picking them, but they're not choosing the good guys. Right. So it's like, then if it's in your, if your narrative is, I'm always seeing bad things, or that's what you hear, you're going to put that on everybody. And I right. think that's how the narrative with black men, and some and, and not being funny, like all racists, sometimes we do live up to the stereotype. Yeah. It is what it is, you yeah. know? You know, I I heard something the other day that talked about, it, it wasn't so much talking about stereotypes as it was talking about rumors and, and lies and mm-hmm. fabricated stuff, like gossip columns and stuff like this. But it talked about the fact that in most of these, you know, people used to say where there's smoke, there's fire. But he was saying within every lie or stereotype in this case, there's a kernel of truth. So he was like, the problem is, is that people have this kernel of truth and it's like, okay, but that, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Like, it, that's only what it is. But people then take liberties and build that out and make that yeah. more and more than it is. And then people say, well, it's easier to live up to this than yeah. it is to fight back against it kind yeah. of a thing. But I was I was watching um, – I know I had texted this to you and asked if you had watched Last Chance You on Netflix. Yeah. But uh, I was watching it last night, and it's so interesting to me – how there are these JUCO football players who this is their last chance, hence the name, and they're trying to do well in school. And the the story that they're told is football is not all that you have. Yeah. And for a lot of you guys, football is not going to be what makes makes or breaks you because you're at a JUCO, yeah. right? Like if you were there, you wouldn't have flunked out of school or gotten kicked off the team for True. a team violation yeah. or whatever. And then you'd be on your way to the NFL or whatever. And so they're trying to preach this, you know, focus on school, focus on school. But I think so many there was like a there's like a scene in one of the episodes where one of the players is in a math class taking mm-hmm. a test, just straight up leaves and goes to talk to his counselor who's white and the player's black. And he's just like, I can't do it. And, and I feel like there's gotta be a better way in which we communicate parental type guidance mm-hmm. and advice yeah. instead of uh, well, you just got to do it or you just yeah. got to suck it up or like football's going to be gone. It's like, right. Like I feel like, a lot of these guys have heard this kind of narrative over and over and mm-hmm. over and it's still not sticking. So I think, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like when I've seen the most success in players or people or peers or even myself, it's because somebody's talking to me 
not in something I've heard the same way over and over again. And I'm starting to wonder if like maybe a lot of these guys are helping to reverse the parental stereotypes are doing it by reaching to their children and, and, or if they're mentors or guidance counselors, their students in a, in a little bit of a different way. And so I kind of wanted to bring it back around. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to bring it back around, find a through point. I want to talk to you on, you know, you, you got your degree a little bit later in life. So I wanted to see like, what was the education journey like for you Mm -hmm. coming through Texarkana high school and then now getting, uh, getting your degree through UTA. What was that like for you? Man, growing up, I always talked to Artesia. Um, you went to magnet school, right? And I remember when she told me, and I was like, what the fuck is a magnet school? <laughs> and she was like, uh, they, it's specifically geared towards certain things. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, right. you know, a scientist or engineer, like they have that. Right. I was like, I'm from the country. <laughs> we just have a high school. <laughs> right. You graduate with honors or valedictorian, right. you know, you're good at, you know, top 100 in math right, in right. Texas. Like, that's all I knew. Right. So for me growing up, um, like even with Artesia and I keep mentioning her cause like I say, she's been a long-term partner, you know, last eight years of my life. And I compare my life sometimes to hers. Um, I think she's smarter than me. A lot of people, I, I know I'm very smart. Like I, things interest me differently, but growing up in high school, it was just like high school. Mm-hmm. Like you in, in, in Texarkana, you, they tell you, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a fireman, teacher, an attorney, like the basic things. Right. Then I, you know, got into football later in high school, went to Atlanta to try to play, came back to Texarkana, and then I moved to Dallas when I was like 23. When I moved here, I never wanted to live here. But when I got here, I I did go to school. I went to Tarrant County, you know, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do, and I think I dropped out after two years. Mm -hmm. So after dropping out, I didn't work for a long time. Um, I ended up getting a job at Fidelity, but I went through the 12 week training. I was referred, somebody referred me because I didn't have a degree at that time, but I've always been good with numbers. So when they brought me in, I passed a 12 week program. I worked there for about two years and it was kind of the, you know, first one fired. I mean, for last one hired, first one fired situation yeah, yeah. without a degree. Right. And once the economy took a, you know, a shit dive when Obama got in office, it was just like, hey, you got to go. Right. And I didn't have a job for three years, you know. So at that point, I was like, I can apply for jobs and I'm applying for these jobs, but I was never getting them. So I was like, okay, the only thing I can think about is I don't have any higher education. Right. So I decided to go back to school, finished in, I did, I finished up at Tarrant County, got my associate's degree, and then I transferred over to UTA. Um, It was between UTA and SMU. SMU was too high. I was like, these, this is ridiculous. They literally want you to pony up. Yes, they, they literally do. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm good. So Dad I went jokes to, are starting early. That's a good one. <laughs> but I went, to, <laughs> I went to the University of Texas at Arlington. And even when I first went there, I was going for education. And I went for education. And then I did my internship with a couple of schools. And I realized this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it was a white principal. I can't remember the name of the school, but it was a white principal who was like, hey, I love you around the kids. You know, she was a woman. She's like, honestly, we need more men of color mm-hmm. teaching in schools. And she's like, I think you would be great here. She's like, but I'm going to warn you. She's like, you're very handsome. She's like, so if you're teaching in a high school or college at your age, it's going to be difficult because even if that girl, if she's like, if a student likes you and then. She says something if you give her a bad grade or you don't respond the way she wants you to. All she have to do is make an allegation and you can be over. And when she told me that, I was like, yo, I don't want this to happen. I'll back out. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I honestly didn't find my groove with, with broadcasting until 
2012, I switched my major, and I just went full blast. And I was interested in it. It was fun learning about, you know, media and stereotypes and politics and word of mouth and why the news uses racism to pit us against each other because it makes the most money of all news. Not the Super Bowl, not the World Cup. Racism makes the most money in media and news. If you can – if you can tie an emotion yes. to whatever you're putting out, yep. you get response. Yeah. That's all they care about. Yeah. What's the easiest response to generate? Anger. Yeah. Hatred. Because yep. it's so easy to just tear people down. And we're all self-righteous. Yeah. I don't give a fuck <laughs> who you are. I'm self-righteous. <laughs> we all contradict yep. ourselves by saying one thing and doing another. Mm-hmm. And I tell a lot of black people that because we may feel certain ways about white people or white people may feel certain ways about us. Now, we can't be right. Ra- now, I want to solve this for a lot of white people and even black people beg to differ. In my opinion, we cannot be racist in a sense of systemically oppressing people. Right. We can be prejudiced. Sure. That means we do stereotype white people. We are prejudiced against some of the things they do. Right. But and some of us may hate white people for the things that their ancestors did. And I think we should do better with handling that. But it's one of those things I don't go into detail trying to explain because I'm not one to tell black people how to feel. Sure. You know, because yeah. everybody has a range of emotions and what they've dealt with or what right. their families have dealt with. Right. A hundred percent. There is. I. It's just, man, it's so fascinating to me. And one of the things I really enjoy about about detox and, and detoxing on detox has been the fact that you really, like, I, I really, what I'm committed to in this show, and as we've kind of gone through ramping up to episode 100 and now moving beyond that, which uh, congratulations on following up Dale Hansen. I didn't couldn't think of anybody better to yeah. to come after Dale. Oh shit! You. you know what? Hey, one <laughs> hey, I'm trying to be like Dale. I don't. You know what? When I first moved to Dallas, I didn't. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't fuck with Dale because I was like. Some of this stuff he shouldn't be saying, or I would be like, some of this stuff he should be speaking up about. Yeah. And I think it was two, two or three years ago he spoke up on. Was it a Cowboys incident? He well, spoke up for somebody. I there think, was Michael Sam that got him the big notice. Yeah, he did he, that. He did some other stuff locally. But that's when he really, when he started hitting the hammer on the head, because a lot of black people may not want to say this, but white people have power, and y'all voices. Right. I can be loud and better, but if you come through with the same message. It will be heard. Yeah. And I think we have to get to a point as black people to where it's like, however the fucking main point gets out, that's all that matters. Right. If it's a point that comes from a white person, if it evokes change and it helps us, that's what we need to go with. But the reason it's hard is because we do. And I have been that person, too, where we're like the white man cannot be our oppressor. And our savior. Yeah. They can't be the ones, meaning not you. Like if you, yeah, Yeah. like if you were fighting for us, which you are an ally, but if you're fighting for us to get us out of a situation, I would look at it and be like, yo, I fuck with Joe, but I know you. But there's going to be other black people that's going to be like, I know a dude has been screaming this for 20 years. And he just said it one time and he got more fight. And that's the thing that ends up making black people mad, which is why we miss the whole message of Mm -hmm. the message is still being heard. It's just by a different person. You know, there was a, so like what I'm trying to do with detox is really get to a point where I'm trying to get lots of people together, break bread, come to the table, because I feel that when we have these one-on-one conversations in this kind of intimate podcast setting, yeah, we're able to hear each other louder and clearer than we are any other time. And to your point, I think I heard the other day and I don't remember who said it, so you know, I apologize for misquoting it or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was essentially, I think it was even talking about specifically women 
in the workplace. I think that might've been the context of it, mm-hmm. but, but it was about, a, but it was across the board of all oppressive, like oppressed groups. Yeah. And it talked about the fact that it said, is it frustrating when a white straight male says the same thing and is able to get it done versus anybody else saying it for 10, 20 times? Yes. However, a good white person ally is able to then say it, open the door and then move out of the way and say, look, I got the door open. Now it's, it's time for me to sit back and allow people who represent this message to share their piece. But you know, the tricky part, is you may want to step back. So I'll give you a, a, sure. a, a great example, and I'm glad because I know white people listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and they get to hear this. The difference is, let's put me and you in that situation you sure. just said. So me and you know each other. If I say, hey, Joe, hey, man, it's 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 too much crazy shit going on. We need to try and shift the climate in, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I give you the agenda to say. Yep. And you carry that agenda out for me. And then you say, you know what? I know this is not. I, I'm speaking somebody else's words and then you try to move to the side. The thing about it is if it catches wind with the media, the media is not going to want you to go to the side mm. because the media is going to say it's a white guy fighting for black people. Let's make him the great white it's a, hype. It's a unicorn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's make him the great white yeah, hype. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then what they're going to try to do is either pay the black guy off or force feed him some bullshit to fall in line with this. Or they're going to say, why don't y'all do this together? Yeah. Which I would be okay with it together, but most of the time it's they want to keep the black person there, especially if that person is if if it's if it doesn't appease to the optics of the masses, right. that that person is definitely going to be on the back burner. Right. And the reason I say that is me, you know, tattoos, right, dreads, muscular guy, beard, like I'm so outside of the line of conforming. You know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, for yeah, a corporate, which right. is why I'm not really in that corporate right. setting. But that's the issue with it. You know what I'm saying? You would try to do that, and then you know what happens? The media makes you out to be the bad person. They don't make you to be the bad person, but by by yep. elevating you and leaving them behind, you're automatically going to be hated by other black people. Right. And they know that shit, which then creates the narrative of racism, prejudice, and it makes more money than it does by doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because now 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 we're taking this further, right? And it's like in this in this narrative, it's like so, you know, I've been elevated by you know, there's people that listen to this podcast that listen to Fox News and CNN. So I'll just like throw them both under yeah. the bus. But you have CNN saying, great white savior. Yeah. Right. And it's amazing because yeah. he's a unicorn. And he's helping. And you have Fox News saying, oh, wow, it's 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 crazy how crazy this white person is. Yeah. And then they're not going to focus. They're going to focus less on me. Yeah. But if you say, yeah, I was a part of it. CNN may or may not include that. But yeah. Fox News will say, oh, this crazy black man is trying to take credit for what the white man did. Yeah. So you see, you can't trust them. You can't. But that's why I think this meet and that's why podcasting and Robert's media group Mm -hmm. and creating your own lane and your medium is for first thing we talked about when you came in. And as I was like, Joe, first of all, welcome to Robert's media group. We're glad to have you. But it's true diversity. Right. And I talk about it all the time with work. I'm like, you hear white people at work say diversity. And it's like diversity to them is hiring a Mexican woman, a white man, a white man, a white man, a white woman, a white woman. A black man, right? A wh- and then go—that's diversity. And one of them, dro- one of them is gay. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> Just, but they have to drop that in there. But yeah. true diversity yeah. is even if you hire one minority, seven whites, and another minority, twenty whites. Diversity is getting them into a room or having a town hall meeting quarterly to say, "Hey, if you hear Suzanne giggling in the background." This is just Suzanne. Suzanne doesn't, she's not laughing at anybody. Or if you hear Artesia talking to Anthony and they seem a little louder, black people and Africans are just louder. 
that's in their nature. Mm-hmm. If you hear a Mexican do something or speaking in whatever, that's if they're a native Mexican, they're speaking their language. They don't have to speak English in this fucking office. Diversity means it allows everybody to be themselves and we find a way to fucking cope and get along with it. There is a there's a really good phrase called diversity of thought mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it's a tech phrase and it means getting the best diverse minds in a room yeah. to solve a problem to solve a problem and what i love extrapolating that i know it I, and i could be incorrect but i heard it from a tech person and they were referencing it in a tech environment so mm-hmm. i feel like that's appropriate to say it's it was a tech phrase but i think that can be extrapolated across the board and say whenever you're trying to do anything you need diversity of thought yeah it doesn't matter if everybody looks the same or doesn't look the same are they thinking the same yeah. are they bringing perspectives from each corner of the globe yeah. are they bringing perspectives from you know a broadcast or a you know a, a journalist a, you know like does everybody have yeah. a skill that they're bringing that can sharpen someone else and when you pair people off they're able to create amazing content or amazing products or whatever it is yeah. that's what you got to look at and i think Yes, I think the very first step for diversity for a lot of white people was all right, well let's hire others that don't look like us. Yeah. But they're stuck in that. I mean, that happened in the 50s, 60s, whatever, yeah. you know, and like they're still stuck in that mindset and yeah. it's like, no. Everybody it, it's 2019, everybody literally thinks differently. Yeah. So now you have to find out who is who is going to bring something you don't already have. Yeah. That's what you got to look at. I just like diversity. I just for me, I think I've never really said this on air before, but this is a thought I've always had because, you know, so many people hate, let's just talk black and white. They hate like interracial dating. Yeah. But it's like, if me and Artesia have a kid, it's going to be a beautiful black baby. Yep. You already have kids, beautiful children. But if you slept with a black woman, you're also going to make something great. Right. And a beautiful child. White children are beautiful. Black children are beautiful. Interracial children are beautiful. We all can do things great together. We can do great things separately and we can also do great things together. And I think when we stop looking at working together as, you know, a hierarchy all the time, it could be better. But it's it's like every I don't know. We just have that. Everybody has that savior complex or God complex. And for me, it's racism is something. And and just talking about diversity is things that I could talk about all day. But the disheartening part about it is it's it hasn't changed, really. Yep. I mean, it's yep. gotten better by being maxed. Right. Like they put a mask over it. Yeah. But it's still there. Like, and it, and I think that's the disheartening part, which is why I used to be a, a avid person fighting for race, like fighting against it and wanting to talk. But now it's like I'll just say it to just give my perspective or talk about diversity. Right. But I'm like, yo, it, is it ever going to actually change though? That's the good question. And I, what I, I have a lot of white straight males mm-hmm. that come to me and say, how can I be a good ally? And the first thing I say to them is, I said. Whatever you're trying to be an ally for, black rights, women rights, mm-hmm. gay rights, anything across the board that you're trying to be an ally of, I said, you need to put yourself in spaces where they're already congregating. Mm-hmm. You need to educate yourself offline, meaning, or not online, away from, like, you don't, need to, you, you don't need to come to a gathering and say, hey, oh, what, what are dreads? You need to have, <laughs> Lord. Have a basic premise of what the fuck you want to know. Men Arteezy was just Download about Urban that. Dictionary on your phone and just start looking. That's look what I did word. a long time ago. And look at words and figure things out. Yeah, that's one of the things, especially with having dreads, because you have white people be like, oh, you got your hair done. He'd be like, yeah. So did they take all of that down and then redo it again? And I'm like, huh? No, this is these are consistently locked. Right. All I do is take them down just like you have white long hair. Yours is thinner. Mine's is thicker. I wash it, dry it. 
and I keep it moving. Right. You can do the same thing you do yeah. with it. But like you said, it's just about reading up on it. Just before I got locks, I read about right. Rastafarian culture and the religion and behind right. dreads and locks before I got them to right. understand the purpose of it. Right. So I tell people to, to go into that area, educate themselves separately, yep. and then don't blank splain. Don't yep. mansplain, don't black splain, don't gay splain. Just don't explain. Yep. Just just be there and say like and get to know the people on an individual level. And then if you're in a situation where someone is being racist or sexist mm-hmm. or whatever, it is then your job to be like, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. You don't need to like get on a soapbox, but you need to call them out in the moment yeah. and say like, hey, that's not cool. Let's- Same way you would do for if somebody was disrespecting your friend right. or your wife exactly. or your family member. You do it across the board. Yes. Absolutely. Cause why, and not to be funny, when it, in high school and, and with a lot of even when you watch movies, if it's a black movie, it's always that one white girl or white boy yep. that's in a group of black people. And we always fucking take care of them. Yeah. If it, even if it's other black people that's like, yo, he ain't no black person. Why y'all like we gonna fucking check you. Right. We just want that same energy. Yep. Like if we fuck with y'all or if y'all say we work together or we coworkers or we're a friend, stand up for me against your fucking people. Right. Because we can stand up against them ourselves, but it's going to get us in trouble. Yeah. So it's like if you're able to do, like if a dude came up, if I went out to a bar with you and a white guy was like, you know, the service was clearly different. If we came together and he gave you a beer and he took longer with mine and you saw him ignoring me, like if you didn't say, yo, what's the problem? Right. It's no different like today. And, and it's difficult. Today, me and Artesia, we went to eat before we came here. Right. And when we walked in, it's the second time this week we walked into a place Nobody looks at us. Nobody seats us. So we seat ourselves. We get to the bar and nobody's paying attention to us. So like I got up from the, the bar today and I walked over to the guy, the the server who was eating a fucking sandwich behind the booth. And I said, what's the uh, what's the, the seating arrangement or process right, in right. here? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, well, we've already set ourselves at the bar. But can y'all send somebody to ask us? What do we want? Yeah. The place we went to last week was even worse. 504 Grill right here in Dallas. You should never fucking go there. <laughs> Literally went in there, bro. The The booth was dirty. Nobody said us. We set ourselves, started to clean off the booth. This white chick came out of the back, and um, she was like, who's going to serve them? Because I'm not. Whoa. We looked. I was like, cool. I wanted to go slap off, but I was just like, yo, let's just go somewhere else because I'm not spending my fucking money here. Yeah. But it's like that's the kind of shit that you deal with on an everyday basis, which leads you to feel a certain way about white people. Because if we treat y'all a certain way, it's because y'all motherfuckers have done something to us Mm -hmm. or you haven't. But we've dealt with that kind of shit all week long, every day to where when we do see one, even if you're trying to be nice, we may look at you like you got shit on you or whatever. And that's that time that we probably should have been nice. But because we don't got shit on all week by y'all people, we be like, fuck being nice. Yeah. And it sucks, but that's the reality, yeah. man. The reality is. Yes. <laughs> that's the reality, bro. There was um what I had a friend who told me he was like, I I you know, I I want to be an active ally. I do all this thing, all this stuff. And I and he was talking to me and talking to me. I said, Hey, uh, do you watch Atlanta? And he was like, Yeah, I love yeah. that show. And I'm like, Cool, cool, cool. Do you know the episode where they go to the people's house and it's the white dude and he's like showing off how cool he is, yeah. how great of an ally he is? Yeah. He's like, Yeah, I'm like, that's what you sound like right now. You yeah. should probably just <laughs> tap the brakes on that. Just shh. Yeah. You didn't like that guy, right? And he was like, No, he's obnoxious. I'm like, Right, you might want to tap the yeah. brakes. Just like, Hey, I love Chance the Rapper too, yeah. but I don't need to talk about it. You don't. <laughs> and that, that is weird. I don't know why white people do that, but it's like they'll find the blackest thing they know. And then they'll be like, yo, so do you, it's almost like we feel like they've studied it 
before they come to us. You hear that new Nas album? Yeah, and then they'll break down every song. You'd be like, shit, it just came out this morning, bro. I hadn't had time to listen to it. But that's when you know that they're trying too hard. Right. And, and we don't overcorrect. Yeah, we don't yeah. dislike them. But at that time, we're like, okay, that's annoying. Like you said, it's yeah. very annoying because that's kind of like us coming up saying, uh, I don't even not to be funny. I don't even know what I would fucking ask a white person because black culture, un, un, unfortunately, you see that new Steve Carell movie. Yeah, that's what I would have to do and just be, be like, extra oh yeah, about he's it. hilarious. And you're like, yeah, I love him. But white people are surprised in. when black people watch white people shows. Like if somebody be like, oh, you watch Criminal Minds? Yeah. Oh, you watch uh, what's the Law and Order or like yeah. any like predominantly white show? Like right. I like all that shit. Good TV to me is good TV. Right. So. What would you say to someone who, well, I think we kind of already said it a little bit, but I guess if you had a more succinct way to tell someone like who, I don't know, maybe they're an ally, maybe they're not, and they're trying to, let me, let me back this up. Let me rephrase it a little bit. I think there's a lot of, there was a period of time where white people were like, oh, I don't see color, mm-hmm. right? And that was the, hate that. that was called in the, in the, in the white spaces, the progressive white space is yeah. like, this is the right thing to say. Yeah. Right. I don't know who said it. Probably yeah, the white that guy. That was a terrible anyway, idea. But if someone is still kind of stuck in that mindset, but is trying, what they mean by that is like, I'm trying to just treat people. If you're good people, you're good people. If you're not, you're not. Yeah. What would you say to them as far as the way to elevate their thinking and yeah. their basic approach to people across the board? Yeah. In my opinion, because a black person will listen to this and be like, this nigga don't speak for everybody. <laughs> Or every black person. But really, to be honest, what I would say, first of all, when you say I don't see color, we actually want you to see color. Right. Because in my opinion, from people I've talked to, if you say you don't see color, then that means you're still not doing what we want you to do. Right. Acknowledge the shit that black people have went through. Acknowledge the shit that y'all people have done to our people. That's what we want. You know what I'm saying? So by saying I don't see color, then that means you don't see the history of what this color has gotten us into. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So by acknowledge, I would just, first of all, don't ever say I don't see color. If you want to be a great ally, don't force yourself on black people. But if you have friends, like just say, for instance, if you work next to a guy named Reggie in a cubicle at work and you never spoke to Reggie, maybe one day when you come in, just say, hey, Reggie, how you doing today? First of all, Reggie's going to be taken off. You know, he's going to be caught off guard. He's going to be like, why the fuck is he speaking to me today when he's never spoken to me? Right. But just by going in saying, hey, or if you work with that guy, maybe if you see him coming, opening the door for him, and you know, like you would do anybody else. Because a lot of times, I don't think white people are racist, but sometimes they're so scared of us, they don't interact with us at all. Right. And that's kind of, we put you in a box with racist. Right. Because that's what racism looks like to us when you're like, hands off, don't want to interact. When you really could just be scared. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. opening the door, just being normal around us. Right. If it's a certain type of food you like and you hear Reggie talking about liking, you know, lasagna or something, you'll say, well, hey, Reggie, have you tried this? My wife makes a great lasagna. Something, Just slide stuff in there. Sure. Not yeah. to be funny, the same way you would want to talk to a girl, you wouldn't just jump right on her and be like, hey, I saw you on Facebook. I saw you wearing blue on Tuesday. This, You just go in and you speak to her. Yeah. And then you let the conversation flow. That's actually a really good perspective to have. That's it, man. When you're trying to interact with someone that is a, like a, someone from a group that you don't normally yeah. interact with. That's a good approach. Think about it like when you're trying to start like interacting with someone that you're trying to take on a date or yeah. just or maybe not even just date, just like get to know them but they're opposite sex and so you're trying to like you're trying to or same sex, in. you know, yeah. not discriminate, but like just trying to figure out you know, be cautious yeah. and, and keep it. Keep some it friendships slow. are going to be good. Some are not going to happen at all. Like I, the reason I use the girlfriend um, scenario is because if you talk to a girl, if she likes you, she's going to let you know. Right. 
if you talk to a black person and the conversation is good, they're going to let you know. If they don't like what you're saying, we know how to get out of the situation. We won't, you won't have 30 seconds of our attention if we don't want to talk to you as a white person. Oh, excuse me. I got a phone call I got to take. Excuse me. I was on my way to the bathroom. Sorry. I just don't want to talk today. Sorry. I don't really know who you are or what you're talking about, but you have a good – like we know how to get rid of people if we don't want to deal with them. So if you get more than 30 seconds to a minute of a person, black person's time, they probably are cool with what's happening yeah. or they're nice enough to hear you out even though they don't want to hear it. Right. But even in that point, you're still building a relationship. Yep. So, you know, to your point about, you know, uh, I don't, I don't see color like the, that whole problem with yeah. that phrase. I recently, uh, finished Tennessee Coates as we were eight years in power mm-hmm. and he talks, I forget which section of the book, but he talks about the, when we're talking about systemic racism and how it's been built over years and years and years, he talks about how, and this is something I did not know mm-hmm. at all was when the new deal was done with FDR and all that after the Great Depression, the way they structured the housing, the way that they got it approved by, I mean, just to be honest, the Republicans and the Democrats mm-hmm. was the people that were in the South, whether Republican or Democrats, they t- they assured them that certain areas of the town, the black areas, yeah. would get less funding for yeah. redevelopment than the... Uh, the white area. This might have been the the HUD. I, uh, there was like a couple of two two different times yeah. where it was divided. And it's like so now when you're looking at kind it, kind of like redlining, right? Yeah, 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 ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. So so when you're trying to say like, oh well, these these people, you know, I, I'm intentionally using the phrase these people. Mm-hmm. When people are saying these people can't get a job and all they gotta do is get a job and then they wouldn't be here and then and then thinking about last chance you like yeah. then they wouldn't have problems with school and all this. It's like no, you got to think about the fact that decades and decades of people are put in this situation it's because of government choices yeah. Let me to put them this, there. And then, and then also, I just want to finish this no, thought. I also read a scientific study that talked about that the all of the eggs that a woman has are present when she's a baby or a fetus in the womb. Yeah. So they said if your grandma has sustained trauma while they were pregnant with – it was like – it. Was, Maybe I might be getting that wrong, but it was basically like there's a way that it gets passed down scientifically, trauma and yeah. and historical stress yeah. that gets passed down. So if you're put in these areas and your grandma and then your mom and then yeah. all the way down, then it's like, well, there's no wonder you're not set up for success. Yeah. But by the government and scientifically, you're you are already the deck is stacked against yeah. you. The deck is stacked against yeah. you. Not the deck. I don't no, know what the deck is. But that what you're saying is what we've always said and we talk about this amongst black people all the time. The forefathers of white America put a great plan in place for to keep black people down. There is a thing of passing your stress and your history down through your DNA. Like you said, that's why. And some people will listen to that and say, that's bullshit. But doctors tell you, do not stress yourself when you have a fetus inside of you. They say don't stress yourself. That's just working eight hours a day. Right. Imagine being a slave working 23 hours a day carrying a child when you have that child. And still getting whipped. Yep. And when you have that child, they take the child from you, especially if it's a boy, because they know the the uh, connection and the love between a, a, a son and his mother. Mm-hmm. They also used to take the women and put them out in the field for 18 hours a day right next to the man burning down in the sun. So then the woman's skin was hard as the man's. Their hands was as rough as the man's. So why do you think it was taboo when a white woman would walk out on the porch smelling like ivory and the black buck wanted her? Because they had the black women out there doing man's work, right. doing this shit, breaking their backs alongside the men. So we didn't even sometimes even view our women as women. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So 
Look at the high divorce rates amongst black people. Yeah. The redlining situation that you were talking about, it's so the government, and I have to call it like it is, the white man, the forefathers, the European people who created this layout of the country, we call it don't cross the tracks at night mm. on the black side of town. But do you notice how it's, strate- it's, it's railroad tracks literally strategically placed in certain parts around Dallas? When you cross that motherfucking track, you're in a good side of town. When you cross the bad, that other side, you're in a bad side of town, which right. is considered the black side, which is not a bad side, which is right. why a lot of people say, oh, y'all going to the hood or you grew up in the hood. You know how many people grow up in the hood and don't die? Yeah. Think about all the stories that you hear people tell, and it's the same story, and they made it out. But they talk about the people who died. It's no difference than white kids. Not to be funny, white kids make it out too. Yeah. They could end up being coke addicts. They could end up being pill poppers because like some of their parents – but they literally make it out too, which is why you also hear some white people echo, yo, we had a hard life too. And we can't say they didn't have a hard life, but as black people, we do look at some white people who have wasted their whiteness because it's like you have a better opportunity at being white. Right. Life is good for you here. Right. If you squander that shit, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Right. Not on our side because we're like, bro, even if you raise in a good side of town, you're still having a harder life almost. Right. The, the, a rich black person would have the same abilities as a poor white person. So imagine what a black person who's poor has. Right. They have no opportunity. Right. There was a, uh, we're, as we're starting to wrap up here, there was a viral video, and I, I don't remember where it was. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But it was try, It was like, a, I think it was with high schoolers, and it was at like a camp or a high school or whatever. And they, a guy was trying to explain privilege mm-hmm. to kids. And they were like, yeah, we get it. It's a construct. Like what? And he's like, no. He's like, everybody starts here. And he was like, I want you to take a step forward if you've gotten this, yeah. and if you've gotten that. And, if you, and, and it got to the point oh, where- Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and people saw like- It was a football y- coach yeah, or something. Yeah. And it was like on a football field, and people were yards ahead yeah. of other people. And he was like, this is what privilege looks like. Yeah. This is why you got to where you are. This is why you can't get to where you yeah. want to go because yeah. of opportunities and yeah. privilege and color yeah. and- sex and like everything across the board it broke my heart at the beginning because i think the first one he said was how many of you have a two-parent home right and it was like all the white kids step forward and mm-hmm. all the black kids it was only a few like one or two and then i think he said how many of you your parents went to college right right then they stepped ahead again yep. and it was like yep. okay there are two steps ahead and then i think he said something like, like this kind of a home yeah like, who like grew up in this type of home or, or yeah or, or who's ever traveled or been on a plane right he was just saying like basic shit right 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 and it's right. like black people I'm that black person. Right. Like, I, I didn't fly until I met Artesia. <laughs> like, I didn't get on a plane. I'm 36. I didn't get on a plane until I was 28, 28, 29. Wow. Yeah. And I used to envy white people. Not envy like hate them. Right. But I used to, I had a, a, a good friend growing up, uh, two good friends, uh, Jeffrey Melton and Jesse Feedback. He was two white guys. And I would go to their house, you know, I would cross the tracks. Right. And I would walk to their house. And when I would get over there, it was like, Kind of like Dave Chappelle said on his skit in New York where he was like, you get over there and you're like, damn, Timmy got all the snacks. The lights work, the toilet flush. Like they had no issues. And that's what it was like to where I remember going over there for the first time and I always wanted to go back. Yeah. And now that I'm older, I remember my mom used to be like, you can't just keep going over there. They ain't gonna, They may want to may want to break. But in reality, she probably was embarrassed that she knew that she didn't have right. what Miss Melton and them had. Right. And as I got older now, I told Artesi, I was like, at 36, I think about a lot of the shit that my mom did, especially my own struggles as an adult, and I have no kids. And I'm like, 
damn, my mom did this with two boys, two growing boys. Yeah. And I was bad. Like, my brother was straight laced, you know, but I was the one who was smart but didn't want to go to school, skipping school, right. you know, stealing from stores, like, doing stupid shit because my friends was doing it. Right. So, I mean, I know this is the Detox Podcast, and, you know, I just want to say, first of all, shout out to all the parents, man. Yeah. Like, for the shit that they have to deal with, and I give a, a special shout out to all the parents, like, the black parents who do what they do because it's harder raising a child as a black parent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of the reasons why I don't have kids. You know, even listening to Artesia, a lot of times she she's scared because her son is getting older. He's about to be 13 this yeah. year. And he's a teenager. He's tall. And you see people getting black kids getting killed for nothing. And yeah. I think in my head, if I had a black child or a kid, period, and he got murdered, I don't know who's going to talk me off from killing the person who killed mm-hmm. my kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like to have to worry about that. And then all the videos you see where it's like nobody really gives a shit about our lives. Right. I mean, honestly, police fucking up, period. They be fucking up whites and Mexicans. and they're, Like, they're just fucking up, period. This is the thing I want to say before you get off here, if nothing else. For the white people who listen, for the black people who listen, you can't stop racism. But what if I told you that you and your wife are married because somebody pulled strings to put y'all together? She didn't love you, but you right. ended up falling in love with her. Right. But she didn't really love you. It was a benefit for her. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. You would be mad. Yeah. White people, black people, the media, Trump, the government. It's no reason for any of us to be fighting. Right. But they have an agenda and they're pitting us against each other. But it's so funny because if Trump came out, if Trump and the government or somebody in the government came out and said, hey, sorry, American citizens. We've literally been fucking you guys and playing you guys against each other for years. Yeah. Do you know how many people would be happy to stop being racist? You know how much energy that takes? Yeah. To hate? Like, I've hated people before. Before I moved to Dallas, I didn't like white people at all. Because I had seen white girls lie on black dudes and get them put in jail for rape. When they really liked the guy, but they got caught being with the guy. I've dated white girls who told me that they couldn't be out in public with me because if their dad found out, they would lose their inheritance. You, I'm not a trophy, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no, nah, you either you do or you don't. Right. But it's like racism, man. Like, don't. What is the benefit of it? There's not. And let's let's just be honest. This is not a racist thing. But you have white you the white. Let's just say the white men of this country, because you hear white women talk about white men. Right. It's really white men who created this shit. Think about this. They're screaming superiority. But they take pills and do shit to be just as strong or fast as us. Our yeah. natural God-given ability. Right. They put us in movies ever since the 60s because the dick thing is the dick thing. It ain't white men. It's white men with big dicks, too. But they do this shit because even yeah. if it's not true, it sells. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So what I'm saying is, like, let's just get rid of all of this shit. Yeah. Like you got to understand that like all of this is a game and it's so crazy because it's only a few people that think high enough on an intellectual level to be like, fuck, we getting played. We are get like we are getting played right. by the government. All this fighting people who have lost kids, white, white folks who have lost kids yeah. and behind stupidity. It's like we're fighting a battle that's never going to end because it was a game all along. Exactly. Exactly. That's the name of your podcast, bro. It was a game all along. <laughs> it was a game all along. I mean, that's literally, I mean, for real. Yep. And that's why I say I don't hate white people. I would never hate white people. That would never come back in my heart. I would dislike y'all sometimes. I would watch a movie 
from the old days that I won't like, but I don't even watch those movies. I hate watching racist movies because I can't yeah. see white people for 24 hours. That's fair. Not to fight them, but I just, it's, it's <laughs> some in my heart. I'd be like, that was a movie. Right. It was real, but I got to recalibrate myself right. and come back down. No, I got you. Before, before we head into the dad joke segment, one, you know, one thing I want to, I think really sums it up with pretty much everything you've been saying has been, you know, I was listening to, yeah, I talked about, don't talk about Chance the Rapper ahead of time, but here I am. <laughs> but I was listening to Chance the Rapper doing, he does a song with Macklemore and he has a, his part on the, on the, on the song is he said, he's, he's talking about his daughter and he's like, I'm already scared of her he's wearing tight clothes. I want all her best friends to be white folks. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just, I think who Chance the Rapper is with his fame and wealth and connections and everything, he still is scared about his daughter hanging around with other black folks mm -hmm. because he doesn't want her to get any negative reactions, yeah. consequences, anything. Yeah. And he, and he, he talks about, he scratched out this line so many times yeah. before he said it, but he was like, I, I got to say it. Yeah. But the funny thing about it is even though he scratched out that line and ended up still saying it in his heart of hearts, he knows on the wrong day with all white people, a police could still pull over and because of her skin, piss on her and treat her like shit. Yeah. It's just giving her a better opportunity. Well, the fact that he's rich is giving her a better opportunity, too. Right. But you're still going to be treated a certain way depending on what cop it is on what day. Yep. I mean, when you born in, like people say all the time, it's fun being black, but it's dangerous. It's fucking dangerous, but it's yeah. fun. Yeah. From the dancing to all the other shit we good right. at, but it's like, it's fucking dangerous, bro. Yep. So we're going we're gonna, to, I think to, to kind of sum it up, I think what you're saying is, if you want to be an ally, you need to put yourself in the spaces, educate yourself, and just be there and speak up when you see something happening. Mm -hmm. And if you are somebody who's on the other side of the spectrum and, you know, is a Trump supporter or maybe not a Trump supporter, mm -hmm. but can't say that out loud. Yeah. And you are saying, well, I see all of this prejudice directed at me. Mm -hmm. I think what we've learned is, well, it's because of a lot of systemic issues. And really, it's a lot driven by the media stirring it up, trying to pit you against each other yeah. because that's what sells. Yep. That's how they get support. That's how they get their dollar. And if you stop giving into that and just get to know people on an individual basis, you'll see we don't have that much. We're, we have more in common than we don't. Yeah. And I think that's the way forward that we got to be teaching our kids yeah but this has been great and we're gonna be going into my favorite segment of the episode the dad joke of the week <laughs> it is a segment where i tell a joke to try and get my guests to laugh the audience groans but i can't hear them i can only hear my guests so it works out <laughs> but i always like to throw it to my guests first to see if they have any jokes on tap i do not that's most people if i don't. had a now and later package i probably would I have a couple of them <laughs> or a snapple jar i always like to to <laughs> Or a Laffy Taffy. Yeah, Laffy Taffy, yeah. Oh, man. All right. Oh, I had jokes. Here we go. It went away. This is what this is what I get for not saving them ahead of time. I always write them down, and I don't. All right, here we go. So, Anthony, I wanted to let you know that uh, my wife is really mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction. So I packed up my stuff, and I write. Packed up your stuff, you write. She's so goofy, so she's going to I don't even know. What's, wait, just read it, read it again. I just heard her laughing. I'm like, she's goofy, man. So my wife is really mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction. So I packed up my stuff and I write. Oh, okay. So you bust I didn't left. Okay, got you, got I packed you. up my stuff and I left. No, right. I packed up my stuff and I write. All right, so I, I think I got one. It's off the okay. cuff of my All head. Right. It's not going to be funny. Right. But what do you call, still laugh. What do you call a black man who walks into a room full of white men? I don't know what. 
He's still a black man. <laughs> I ain't got one. That's why. But with her, with her being your audience, you can say anything, bro, and she'll fucking laugh. Uh, okay. Uh, how do you get a squirrel to like you? You know, I was about to say bust a nut. Act like a nut. Oh, act like a nut. I, mean, yeah, I was about to say bust. A- <laughs> I'm more of a sexual person. My bad. <laughs> All right, um, Great commercial. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? I still thought about a penis. Because then it would be a foot. No. <laughs> She's so cool. I still thought about a penis. I got, I got I'm last, immature, man. I got la- last one. Okay, last one. <clears throat> uh, Anthony, did you hear the rumor about butter? Oh, that's it? Did I hear the rumor? <laughs> did you hear the rumor about butter, yes or no? No. Well, I'm not going to spread it. Oh. <laughs> what just, I was I see I always the thing that gets me with jokes is you do have to deliver them right for it to be like a punch. I was waiting for you to say something else instead of being like, "No." And then you said, "Well, I'm not about to spread it." So, do you create your jokes or do you find something to come up with? Some of them I have, yeah. some of them I find those I found um a lot of them. We have a pediatrician that every time I take my kids, he always says That's like five different jokes. And so I just started copying them down. Yeah. And then- <laughs> See you do. I, I gotta say this as a joke. You doing what white folks do best? Still, I'm just. Woo! <laughs> hey, I love white people, man. Right. That if, was a good if, joke, if, though. If if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? As um, far as the podcast, you can follow us at at the reality is. That's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's the reality is T H A. The reality is. Um, if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Roberts Media Group, it's Roberts Media Group on instagram facebook on across all platforms we are on break right now for the podcast but if you do want to listen you can listen by tuning in to all streaming platforms spotify apple our heart radio we're pretty much everywhere at this point um if you just want to keep up to date with what the reality is is doing it's best to just keep up by looking at social media or going to www.therealityis.com perfect well we need a hashtag for this episode should we go with hashtag diversity of thought Hashtag C color or hashtag all a game. Which one do you think? All a game? All a game. All right. Well, listeners, I'm going to be back next week with another great interview and some more great content. But until next time, hashtag all a game and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.